Tonight, I take my crack at a good comp, bad comp routine as the Sacramento Kings do get a win to start this playoff race at home over the Portland Trailblazers, but they had to overcome a horrendous start and a position they never should have been in. You're listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long today, presented by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. So great to be back here in the Golden One Center. I'm sorry, Vivint Arena, you were nice. It was great to experience uh, the All Star game in Utah, but Golden One Center, there's just no atmosphere like it. Certainly a lot more energy in this building tonight with a crowd of over 18,000 plus. It was nearing the Golden One Center record tonight, and we're talking about a weeknight game uh, against an under 500 team, but this fan base is geared up and ready for this playoff race. They showed out tonight, and they had to sit through a uncomfortable but extremely predictable start. So in this good cop, bad cop routine, I'm actually going to flip it. I'm going to start with the bad cop because chronologically, that's what happened. And look, it's a joke amongst Sacramento Kings fans that when a team comes into Sacramento and there's some circumstances that should normally be beneficial for the Kings, it goes the exact opposite, right? Uh, Dame Lillard not playing tonight. Basically, the entire Portland Trailblazers starting lineup not being available tonight with no Nurkic, no uh, uh, or Jokic, no um, Jeremy Grant, right? Like. We know how many times the Kings have struggled going against teams, even as early as last season, taking on a Philadelphia 76ers team that was either missing four out of their five starters or their entire starting lineup and still losing to them in this building. Granted, that's a very different team from this year's Sacramento Kings team, but you get my point. Typically, a shorthanded team comes into Sacramento and has a lot of success against the Kings. So it's a joke amongst the fan base. Well, uh, the Kings are screwed. Dame's not playing. Uh-oh, Kings are screwed. And then you add in the travel saga for the Trailblazers. We're supposed to leave last night. Their flight was grounded because of the weather. Boarded their plane this morning and sat in their plane basically for hours. They had to de-ice the plane. They didn't know if they were going to actually get here on time. We had no idea if this game was going to be postponed or not. Then they finally leave. They get to Sacramento have like three or four hours before game time or something like that. Come right to the arena. Basically warm up. Uh, go through their shoot around change and then play a basketball game. So everybody, the joke was coming into the arena the Kings are doomed, right? It's going to be a slow start. Uh, the Kings might lose to the Portland Trailblazers, all these benefits for the Kings are actually going to come end up uh, stacking against them. And as funny of a joke as it is, the reason why it's a consistent joke amongst the fan base is because it's rooted in truth. And that's it's that it keeps happening. And it's happened consistently throughout this playoff drought. Again, this year's Kings team, obviously, being the three seed in the Western Conference, different than those years past. But still, for some reason, the Sacramento Kings just cannot find out how to handle their business, even though they did win this game 133-116. to A lot of people are going to see that final score and go, Matt, why the hell are you starting with this? The Kings won and they won comfortably. The start that they got off to was absolutely inexcusable. And it was 
extremely expected amongst this fan base. I was sitting up in the media area and I was laughing. I was laughing more like maniably out of a, a place of sickness, right? But I was laughing amongst the other Kings media members like, you can't make this up. This is perfect Kings, right? Like the script is written. You could have made money betting the Sacramento Kings to lose the first quarter. And I think almost everybody would have felt confident making that bet. But the reality is to fall behind 19 to 4 to the Blazers early, to trail by 16 points, 27 to 11 at the 4 minute 39 second mark of the first quarter. That's the biggest lead that the Trail Blazers would have in this game. I know it's a joke, and I know the Kings were able to come back, and truth be told, I had full confidence in this team's ability to come back the entire time. That didn't excuse that horrendous start. And to me, this is it can't be a joke anymore. It can't keep happening. It, this joke needs to fade away into the background and just be something that we bring up every once in a while as like a, 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 a throwback to the King's struggles of this, this, uh, this playoff drought, right? This cannot keep happening for this team if they want to have success, not just during this playoff race, but of course in the playoffs and going into next season. It should not take a Portland Trailblazers haymaker punch out of the gate to wake the Sacramento Kings up. Because a Portland Trailblazers haymaker, when they're missing Damian Lillard and missing the players they were missing tonight, yeah, the Sacramento Kings could survive it. They could overcome it. A Los Angeles Clippers haymaker tomorrow night, a Denver Nuggets haymaker, a Dallas Mavericks haymaker, a uh, Memphis Grizzlies haymaker, all these teams that the Kings uh, could be facing or and will be facing over this uh, uh, the remainder of this season and then uh, might be facing in, in playoff series. Those teams' haymakers are TKOs or, or, or knockout punches right at the beginning of the game. Those are whole. If the Kings fall back or fall down by 16 points to the Los Angeles Clippers on the road tomorrow night, they're losing that game. Like, I know this team has an ability to come back. And when we get to the good uh, cop side of things, we're going to talk about how quickly they were able to turn this game around. But you don't want to have to rely on that, especially in your home building. It's inexcusable that this keeps happening to the Kings. It's inexcusable that it takes that kind of bad start against an extremely shorthanded team that just arrived and has been sitting on a plane dealing with weather issues all day that has all these reasons why they should fold. It's no excuse for them to come out and outplay you. The Kings were getting outplayed by Shaden Sharp, outplayed by Nasir Little, out of the gate. They were not playing any defense whatsoever. And then offensively, to be fair, some shots weren't dropping, but the Kings, they just looked, they looked like we've seen this team, unfortunately, too many times, not just this season, but, but over the last handful of seasons, where they come in with a bit of an unearned swagger. Yes, this team is a three seed, I understand, so you could say that's enough for them to earn it. I don't think so. This team hasn't done anything yet. This thing has, team hasn't won anything yet, and these games are so incredibly important for the position that the Kings are in in this playoff race. So for them to come in and see this uh, this uh, this Portland Trailblazers roster and go, piece of cake, we got this, even if the fans are coming into the building feeling that way, it's one thing for us on fa uh, as fans or us on social media to say, this is great. This is easy. Or for the Vegas line to be at minus 11 and a half or whatever it was for the Sacramento Kings tonight. It's one thing for them to talk about it and feel that way. Sacramento, while they should feel confident, should not come into a game and take their opponents for granted and get shell-shocked the way that the Kings were to start this game tonight. 
my question is like, what is the point of the extra Kings practice days? Because Mike Brown has probably the most practice days out of any coach in the NBA. A lot of coaches choose to just do soft uh, walkthroughs or days off to try and rest the team as much as possible. Mike Brown takes every practice uh, day opportunity he should and or he can, and I, I think he should. I honestly think he should with this team and how much they need to learn. But for you to start practice early, most teams came back from break on Wednesday. Mike Brown had a practice on Tuesday. For you to have two practice days before this game and to still come out and make the same mistakes, struggle defensively, and take your uh, opponent for granted and have that horrendously slow start. That wasn't just rust from the all-star break. That was the Kings not being ready for what the Portland Trail Blazers had for them. What's the point of practice days if this team is not going to figure that out? And I'm going to play for you a little bit later on a really, really good soundbite from Mike Brown explaining why he didn't take an early timeout like he has done for at many points this season and talking about how this team needs to figure out how to overcome that adversity, that he can't be that guy to fix it for them all the time. So maybe this was the wake-up call the Sacramento Kings needed. Who knows? But I know if they fall behind like this for the majority of these games over this playoff drought, and certainly if they fall behind like this, whether it's at home or on the road in a playoff series, in any playoff game, they are in big, big trouble. The reality is the Kings are the hunted now. Mike Brown's talked a lot about this. They went from the hunters to the hunted, being in that third seed. They are the least experienced team in this playoff picture. Teams have a target on the Kings' back. So if you are hunted, don't stand still in front of the barrel of the gun and let them shoot. Make them work. Make them hunt you. Make them try to come into your building and defeat you. Make them face the best that you have to offer. The Sacramento Kings, at least in the first quarter, did not even come close to doing that. This team needs a better sense of urgency. They need to come out recognizing the significance of every single game, especially against teams that are under 500. Look, I expect the Kings to have a sense of urgency tomorrow night against the Clippers, right? I don't know if that'll lead to a win or a loss, but they know the Clippers are right behind them in the standings. They're facing Kawhi, facing Paul George, facing Russell Westbrook. The team is gunning for them. It doesn't. It's not going to be hard for the Kings to get up for that game and recognize the importance of that game. However, with the handful of under 500 opponents that they have over the remainder of the season, how crucial those games can be to add a pad for when they do have to play the 10 games against in-the-hunt opponents beginning tomorrow night. Those games are essential, and the Kings cannot walk into those games with a swagger, like the two games back-to-back against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sure, that team is an under-500 team, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander and that team is talented enough to absolutely punch you in the mouth and beat you twice on their home floor. The Kings can't allow that to happen. The Kings can't come into those games with a lack of urgency or with this swagger because they're third in the standings and those teams are, are worried about the draft lottery or maybe sneaking into the plan. Kings haven't earned that. All right, let's get to the good cop side of things. The Kings did a really good job, and they've they've shown an ability to overcome big deficits quickly over the course of the season. Tonight, they erased their 16-point deficit in 8 minutes and 54 seconds of game time. That's really impressive. The Kings tied the game at 43 with a 32-16 to 16 run. From 4 minutes and 39 seconds in the first quarter up until the mid-second quarter, the Kings went on a 32 to 16 run to tie the game at 43. They took their first lead 56 to 55 with the Harrison Barnes free throw at the two minute 27 mark in the second quarter. So they're trailing late in the first quarter, a little over midway uh, in the first quarter, three quarters of the way through the first quarter. They're trailing by 16 points. Halfway through the second quarter, they've tied the game up. 
and then late second quarter, they take their first lead, are able to build upon that. They had a nine-point lead at halftime. That lead got up to 14 points, I think, in the third quarter, and then the Kings kind of blew it open uh, and ended up winning comfortably in, uh, in, in the fourth quarter. Like, for Sacramento to be able to show an ability to overcome those deficits so quickly, for that offense to get going, and we know how, how like, for the Kings to still score 133 points when Mike Brown was saying before the game, or rather after the game, he said it felt like they were stuck on four points forever. Well, they still managed to score 133. We know this team can score, and the offense right here is a perfect example of that. The Kings are outscored big time. They're in a 16-point hole early, and yet for the remainder of the game, they outscore the Portland Trailblazers 122-89. to like, we know this team can score and their offense can carry them through, but it's about defensively not putting yourself in that position in the first place. And we have to give the Kings defense credit, too, because after giving up, what was it, 37 points or something like that, 35, 37-ish points in the first quarter, they held the Portland Trailblazers to 20 in the second quarter. So defensively, they did make adjustments. I also think the Portland Trailblazers kind of ran out of gas a little bit. Shots weren't falling as much as they were in the first quarter. And then Sacramento offensively started getting going and getting into their game a little bit more. And the Clippers just, or rather, rap, um, Trailblazers, I'll name every team, I guess, Trailblazers just couldn't really compete at that point when Sacramento really started to settle in and close that gap quickly. Like, like I said, the, the Blazers came out of the gates swinging. They used all their energy swinging in that first quarter, although give them credit, they didn't go away in the third quarter. Even when the game got up to 14 points, they hit back-to-back threes to get it down to eight. Like Portland did not just fold and go away when the Sacramento Kings made their push. But they came out with the best that they had. They threw shot after shot after shot. Nasir Little looked phenomenal. 12 points, 4 of 5 shooting from the field, 3 of 3 from three-point range. He's a good player. But Nasir Little is just another of the players that have come in and getting opportunity. They recognize that Sacramento's defense is going to give them good looks. They come in with a confidence, and then they become that player, that long list of players where Kings fans go, why is this guy getting a career high, or who the heck is this guy, and he's torching the Sacramento Kings? Like It happens too much for anybody's liking, right? But the Kings, they overcome that. They take the best that Portland had early on and they're able to erase it quickly. That's, of course, encouraging. You know, when Mike Brown finally did call a timeout when the Kings were down, uh, I, I think at that point they were down 19-4, to he finally calls a timeout, and then he subs Davion Mitchell and Terrence Davis into the game. And I, I started chuckling to myself. I'm like, the Kings are struggling to score, and here come Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell. Now, I know also defensively the Kings were having a nightmare, and Mitchell and Davis theoretically helped with that, but Mike was looking for something. He needed to change, Right. The Kings' offense was terrible. The starters gave you less than, I think the starters gave you like ten or nine points in the first quarter, and the rest of the bench gave you like 17 or something like that. But Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell came in and made a difference. Terrence Davis, of course, uh, the, the biggest of the impactful players off the bench. He finished with 20 points, 6 of 10 shooting from the field, 4 of 5 from three-point range. Did turn the ball over three times. Now, all those turnovers t uh, came in the first quarter. However, he scored nine of his 20 points in that first quarter on three of short, four shooting from the field and one of one from three-point range range when the Sacramento Kings needed to get their offense going a little bit. Terrence Davis provided that spark. Now, Davion Mitchell, you might look at his box score and go, why are you highlighting Davion as a positive two amongst us? It was really Davis that made the impact. Davion Mitchell finished with three points and four assists in this game. Not an impressive stat line by any means, right? Except 
th those three points and three out of those four assists came in the first quarter when the Kings needed it. He hit a corner three right over here uh, to help move the Kings a little bit closer again when they were down by 16 points. He and Terrence Davis helped push that, get it close to single digits or around single digits. And I think Trey Lyles hit a buzzer beater three at the end of the first quarter to get the Kings within eight, if I'm not mistaken. So they kind of salvaged at the end there. The Kings bench salvaged a, a horrendous quarter. Could have been a lot worse than what it was. But even though Davion Mitchell's overall stat line isn't that impressive, he was still very impactful when the Kings needed him to be in that first quarter. So I give him credit for that. I referenced earlier Mike Brown's audio of uh, him talking about he can't be the guy to fix all the problems for the Kings. At some point, the leadership needs to uh, step up. They need to hold each other accountable. Right here is what Mike Brown had to say uh, when asked about not taking one of his patented early timeouts when the Kings got off to a horrible start. These guys got to figure it out. You know, they, they got to they gotta figure out what they need to say to one another throughout the course of a ball game when we have some sort of adversity and I can't be the one always trying to solve the problem. And you guys know it. I mean, if you have a group of individuals and they're able to police and coach and, you know, whatever themselves, that's a lot better than hearing my voice all the time. You know, uh, my voice can only take them so far. And sooner or later, it's got to come from within, especially from within with our, with our leadership. And right now is the time. Because when we get in the playoffs, we're going to hit some adversity. And I ain't going to have enough timeouts versus those good teams in a seven-game series to fix all the problems all the time. So they got to figure it out a lot of the times starting now. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports, especially fantasy basketball. Look, the kingpins of fantasy are, are typically football and baseball, or at least in my experience, right? Fantasy basketball, as much as I love this game, it's my favorite sport, I've had a hard time with fantasy basketball because the managing of lineups and, and the struggles of having to play against teams that sometimes their stars would play four times in a week when your star would only play three just based off of the Kings' schedule. It was unfair. Plus, like the draft is just different fantasy basketball i'm no josh lloyd right not a locked on fantasy basketball guy so it wasn't really my thing but prize picks gave me a very fun and very approachable way of uh enjoying fantasy basketball and the way it works is you pick two to five players in an over under on whether or not they will score more or less than their projected uh, number for that particular game. Of course, they have projections for like De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, but they have it for the entire roster. Trey Lyles, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, uh, every player for the Portland Trailblazers tonight, they have projections set, and all you have to do is pick two to five players. If you get their over-unders right, you can play, uh, win up to 25 times your money entry on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available and they offer projections not just for the NBA but also for the NFL, uh, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, combat sports like boxing and MMA and so many more for you to try. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals and it's currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. If you are new to Prize Picks, sign up. Use our promo code Locked On. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100. You deposit $50, you get $50. More incentive for you to give it a try, have some fun, and make some money on Prize Picks. 
gotten this far into the podcast, haven't even talked about De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis yet. So this is their segment. De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis making history tonight. And I apologize about the noise in the background. The, the great Golden One Center staff here, I think they're getting ready to tear out the court as the Kings are going to be gone for a little bit. I don't know if they ever have a show in, coming in here or something. So i got to wrap this up and get off the floor before they take me out with it. But uh, Fox and Sabonis both making history tonight. We'll start with De'Aaron Fox. 31 points, 11 of 15 from the field. That is uber efficient to score 31 points and take just 15 shots. Like De'Aaron has been so, so good at making his shots count, getting to his spots, shooting and playing through traffic, through a lot of contact, also had a really effective game from beyond the three-point line and had a really effective game at the free-throw line. Uh, went four of, uh, excuse me, he went had also three assists and a steal in addition to his 31 points that he put up. So now De'Aaron Fox has scored 30 or more points in five straight games. He is the first Sacramento King in the sack era to score 30 or more points in five straight games. That includes the Rock Mitch Richmond. That includes Chris Webber. That includes all the big names and stars uh, over the years. De'Aaron Fox stands alone as the first Sacramento King to score 30 points in five straight games. Big shout out to Frankie Cardicelli from the Return of the Roar podcast and Sacktown Sports 1140 for bringing that number into tonight's game and making me and everybody else aware of that. Uh, and then we talk about DeMontis Sabonis. He too made history tonight. Got a triple-double. 18 points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists, also had three steals. I think that's important to throw in there for a big man. He now has seven triple-doubles this season. That is the most triple-doubles in a season by a Sacramento King in history. He passed Rajon Rondo, who he was tied with at six coming into tonight's game. So on the same night, both De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis make history. Now, here is going back to kind of the good cop, bad cop thing. Here's the good cop part of this. De'Aaron Fox scored 31 points. Bro, uh, made history tonight, right? He did it while only playing 26 minutes, and that's rounded up. That's amazing. For the Sacramento Kings to get that kind of efficiency out of De'Aaron Fox and to also play him 26 minutes, not just to rest him on this second or for the second night of a back-to-back -back major game against the L.A. Clippers tomorrow, who did not play tonight, so they're fully rested and waiting for the Kings. It's not just that. It's gearing up De'Aaron and keeping him as fresh as possible for this entire race and going into the playoffs. Because I guarantee you, when the Kings get into the playoffs, De'Aaron's going to be playing 40 minutes a night. And I guarantee you, if the race is really, really close, maybe in tomorrow night's game against a team that the Kings kind of have to beat or want to create as much separation from as possible during this race, we're probably going to see a heavy dose of De'Aaron in those games. So for him to play limited minutes and to have as effective a night in a Kings win, that's fantastic. Now, DeMontis Sabonis did crack 30 points or 30 minutes. He played 31 minutes and 31 seconds, rounded up to 32 minutes. Not a lot by Sabonis' standards, but still, if you could have kept him under 30 minutes, I would have been absolutely thrilled with that. So the bad cop routine side of this is, Sabonis was subbed back into the game into the fourth quarter so that he could secure his triple-double. Once he did, he subbed out. I don't know if it was specifically so he could have that triple-double or not. I actually asked him after the game if he asked to go back in to get that triple-double, and he laughed and said he wished he had that kind of power or that kind of influence. Um, so I understand what he's saying there. I don't know if Mike did it just so he could get his triple-double and make history or if that was part of his rotations just to put the game away. But when he subbed into the game, the Kings were up by like 17 points or something like that. So I personally would have just shut him down and said, I get the triple-double doubles are important, but we're making a race for the playoffs. You two are going to play around 40 minutes a night. When do we make it to the playoffs? So uh, uh, rest up, big man. You, you've earned it tonight. Plus, you're coming off of all the all-star festivities and things like that. But in the end, it's not that big of a deal. He only plays 31 minutes, 31 seconds. 
rounded up to 32 minutes. Not the biggest deal in the world. I personally would have chosen to not play him uh, in that fourth quarter, not bring him back in. But that's just me. Let me know how you feel about that. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. And also send me your thoughts just on this game, on that slow start, and how you're feeling going into tomorrow night against the Clippers. We'll talk about that more in just a second. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by our great friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. We're now into the end of February, so hopefully your New Year's resolutions of eating better, losing weight, or maybe putting on muscle and, and just eating right, hopefully those are going well and still going strong. And for a lot of you, I think it's probably still going strong because of your consumption of Built Bars because they address that sweet tooth that we all have, right? And we don't want to have to give up the things that we enjoy eating just so we can feel better and eat better. That's the hardest part. Well, Built Bar says you don't have to. Have a bar that tastes like your favorite candy bar, that tastes like, in my in my case, my favorite bar, the mint brownie bar, covered in 100% chocolate, but we're talking only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. Plus, you can try their granola bars for more fuel. Uh, you can try their marshmallow puffs. If you really want to satisfy that sweet tooth, they have that all available for you. And now, you don't need to go to built.com to get those products and get those built uh, bars that you want. You can go to your local Sam's Club or local Walmart. Go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box, give flavors like churro or brownie a try. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. Built.com. So Kings and Clippers tomorrow night. Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Clippers are rested. Clippers have the advantage being at home and, of course, on that second night of a back-to-back. -back. But the Kings have been an extremely effective team on the road. And for some reason, the Kings seem to always play well against the Clippers in L.A. I don't know why it's different for the Clippers and Lakers. It just has been. But... In the De'Aaron Fox era of Kings basketball, Sacramento's had a lot of success in that building. It's always Staples Center to me. It'll never be crypto, whatever the hell it is, arena. And hopefully the Kings can make it Golden One Center South tomorrow night. I know a good uh, amount of fans are going to be traveling, and hopefully they'll be chanting Light the Beam by the end of it the same way they were chanting Light the Beam in that building the last time the Kings played the Clippers down there, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm remembering that correctly. But I don't care how the Kings win. Win by 20, win by 1. It does not matter. Find a way to get a win. If you lose, not not the end of the world, but the Clippers make up a little bit of ground in this extremely important race. But if the Kings find a way to get a win tomorrow night, I'm telling you, we should all feel very, very, very good about where this team is at, regardless of how this game got started. But like I said earlier, if the Kings get off to a slow start in that game, like they did tonight, they're going to be in for a world of hurt. I'm going to steal, uh, uh, actually really quick, uh, the Kings can also thank the Toronto Raptors who beat the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. And I can't believe I was rooting for the Philadelphia 76ers tonight, but they can thank the Sixers for beating the Memphis Grizzlies in Philadelphia tonight in a really close game. So shout out to them to help the Kings in the standings a little bit. Now they have to, I mean, they handled their business tonight. Now handle your business and you're in control of your own destiny. You're not relying on other teams tomorrow night. You're relying on yourself to create separation from the team that's biting at your heels in the LA Clippers, who I believe are in the fourth spot. Handle your business, Kings. You are in control of your destiny, and that's exactly where you want to be. I'm going to steal this question really quickly before we wrap up uh, from D'Lo and KC today. They asked me, and I'm curious your response to it. They asked, outside of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, who do you think are the most important? Who's the most important king for the success of this playoff race? A lot of people said Harrison Barnes. Truth be told, that was the first name that came to mind. I ended up picking Malik Monk because he's so essential to this Kings team as an energizer bunny. He really runs that second unit. He's the secondary ball handler on this team. He's kind of taken that mantra away from Davion Mitchell or taken that role away 
from Davion Mitchell. Plus, when times can get tense and, and things can get, like there's a lot of weight on the Kings' shoulders and the spotlight's heavy on them and teams are gunning for them and it can get stressful, Malik Monk is kind of that breath of fresh air, relax, hey, play our game, brings a little bit of smile, brings a little bit of swagger, uh, and, and, and he brings like a not-so-serious mindset, which... Is not a bad thing. Like there's a there's a bad way to be not so serious and to take things lightly. That's not what Malik does. Malik provides, I think, a needed presence in the locker room for this inexperienced team during this stressful race. So my pick is Malik Monk. Let me know who your pick is in the comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube, or you can email me mattgeorgesports@gmail.com or tweet it at me at mattgeorgesack on Twitter. It's great to get a win here in the Golden One Center. Great to be back inside the Golden One Center. Shout out to all of you uh, who came by and said hi tonight. Hopefully, I'll see you more over the remainder of this season. Look Looking forward to tomorrow night. Going to be stressful, us sitting on our couches and watching. I'll be at the ABC 10 studios. I'll have a podcast for you after the game tomorrow night, so I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.